My name's Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at Mosaic, and I get the privilege of uh, inviting Avery to come up here and join. Avery is um, he's a, a friend of mine for the last six or seven years. Uh, he's a pastor here in the metro uh, at a church called Common Ground in Beaverton, and uh, Avery, I'm, I'm grateful for you. Avery is moving a tiny bit slow this morning, but he's making it. Grateful for you, for your friendship, um, for your wisdom, and really glad that you're, you're here with us to share God's Word. Can we, uh, can we? Jesus is everything to me. At Common Ground where I preach, somebody would have said something. If you know who Jesus is, give him a hand clap of praise this morning, because he is certainly worthy of it. All right, party people, let's get dangerous. Though my text is from the beginning of Luke chapter 10, I want to start in Luke 9, verse 51. Jesus has focused his mind on Jerusalem. He is resolute, the NIV text says. He is focused. He is well aware of his mission. He is all in. Everything from that moment is all about getting to Calvary, the cross. All of his miracles, his teachings, his interactions, his healing. I need Jesus to touch my gout so I can be healed right now. <laughs> and Jesus, he focuses everything on the cross. And so as we begin in chapter 10, verse 1, as... Uh, well, after this, after what? All the things that Jesus was doing as he focuses on the cross. He commissions the 12 at the beginning of chapter 9. Feeds a whole bunch of people. Does lots of miracles. Peter acknowledges Jesus as the Messiah, the anointed one. He, Jesus defines what it means to be a disciple. Uh, he's transfigured and he has a, a conversation with Moses and Elijah. Uh, he does more healing. He prophesies yet again about his death. The Samaritans refuse to welcome him into their city. And three men really consider what it means. What, what, what's the price? What's the cost? of following Jesus after all of that beginning of chapter 10 after this the Lord appointed 72 others there was the 12 he commissioned them he appointed them for a task as he's about to be resolute to the cross and then he he commissioned 72 others depending on your English text, it might say 70. It's a, 
It's an early manuscripts variant. It's 70-ish. All right? Jesus commissions 70-ish people, and, and they don't have history. We don't know what their history is. We don't know what their credentials are. We don't have a copy of their certificate of completion of the membership class. We got nothing. We don't know who they are. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus commissions no-name people. He appoints folk that are just everyday people for his purpose as he stays resolute toward the cross. They go two by two, which brings up images of the ark, all the animals going two by two. In pairs, groups of twos. I think he commanded them to go with somebody else, take somebody with you, because he knew we'd try it on our own. We'd try to figure it out on our own. And we would need one another. How do you know that we need one another? Nobody in the room knows that we need one another. I'm so used to folk talking back at me. I'm sorry. <laughs> now I'm nervous. Let me just keep going. Jesus purposefully said, as you go, take somebody with you. Don't go by yourself. And I'm telling you, there are times in our, our Christian walk that we are struggling. And if we would just be self-aware, we might figure out we've been trying to do it by ourselves. Amen. Jesus said two by two, take somebody with you. In verse 2, the harvest, Jesus said, is plentiful, but the workers are few. I think this is a familiar text, and we tend to focus on these familiar texts. Ah, the harvest is plentiful. We just need folk to work the harvest. But I wonder in 2022 in the evangelical church if we actually think that the harvest is plentiful. How about in Portland, Oregon? Do we feel like the harvest is plentiful? I, I got to tell you that already I'm struggling because I haven't had coffee this morning. And I live in coffee, the coffee capital of the universe, right? And it just seems like, if nothing else, I ought to have coffee in common with somebody. We could sit down and have a conversation about the abundant life. But some folks are more interested in coffee than they are Jesus. I don't know. Doesn't feel like it. Not sure that it's true, but I have to depend on the word of God, and so I got to believe it. The harvest is plentiful. We just need workers, Jesus says, and so he commissions the 70-ish. All right? And in verse 4, he begins to set up the message that he wants the 70-ish to preach. He talks about different things, beginning at verse 4 through the beginning of verse 9. Don't take extra stuff. 
All right. Don't 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 just load up. I, I remember I was a full time youth pastor in Southern California and, uh, and we went on. Uh, a, a hiking trip, camping trip. Now, this is hardcore hiking. I mean, the big backpacks and, and walking up mountains and such. Uh, I'm a city boy and hiking makes me nervous. I don't, I don't like hiking. And it was interesting that we, would, we, would, we met at the church building and all the kids were, they were packing their backpacks. And I was just cracking up looking at all the canned goods that my junior high girls were packing. I thought, this is going to be a horrible four days. <laughs> I don't even think it was halfway up the mountain before they were handing off their backpacks to those that could carry them. Don't take extra stuff. You don't need it. Don't waste time with folk that aren't interested. Your time is valuable. Don't give nonsense energy. Don't waste time where you're not wanted. Look for those that are peacemakers. I'm, my dad is from Oklahoma, and he would say, sometimes you need to break it down in cornbread English. That's what I'm trying to do now, all right? <laughs> Look for peacemakers. I'm surrounded by peace breakers. Don't hang out with them. They'll suck you dry. Hang out with peacemakers. The fine folk that will accept and give hospitality and, and heal the sick. I, I want you to know that I'm commissioning you for work. And, and, and you've got to use your time and your efforts to the very best of your ability, but don't waste time with folk that aren't interested. Why? Because the harvest it's plentiful. That is why we need to be following the Spirit of God to ask Him, will you send us to folk that, that laugh at my jokes? <laughs> I don't got time for people that are looking at me like, who is this dude? <laughs> And he was sending them out into the community. Ahead of him. Don't forget his mind, his heart, his energy is resolute on Calvary. That's where he's going. It's part of his mission, his purpose. And he sends them out to the people with a particular message. They need to hear this message and receive the message. And today's sermon is focused on that message. I want you to read it with me. Luke chapter 10, verse 9. After you do all of this stuff, this is, this is the setup for the message. Don't waste energy. Don't take extra stuff. Don't hang out with people with frowns in their forehead. You know what I'm saying? Heal the sick, verse 9, who were there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. The kingdom of God has come near to you. 
It is the message. The kingdom. It's all around us. The kingdom. It's everywhere. You can feel it. You can sense it. There's something in this world that's different than the rest of the world. It is the kingdom. And not only is it the kingdom, y'all listen to me this morning. The kingdom is near you. It is not far. I say that as a word of encouragement. The last couple of years has been a hot mess. There are times when I felt, where is the kingdom? Where are the people of God that are standing up in the name of Jesus Christ, resolute on his mission? Is this not a thing that I can take for granted or ignore? The kingdom is near us. It is the message. So 72-ish people, I'm sending you out. On a mission, with a message. Don't take a bunch of stuff. You're going to be tired before you get there. Don't Lose all your energy before you hang out with people of peace. Look for those that offer hospitality. I take my coffee vente, thank you very much. <laughs> and when you heal people, the sick of body as well as the sick of heart, give them this message. I'm sending you in front of me because I'm going to them. Tell them the kingdom is near them. How do you know? How do you know that the kingdom of God is near us? I know because I've met the king. The king is here. The king is the one who's appointed me. Mr. No Name. I'm just... Nobody, nobody knows who I am. But for some reason, by the grace of God, he's commissioned me to be a part of the other 70-ish nobodies with a message. And when you, when you preach this message, don't just preach it to anybody. Because everybody is not going to receive this message. So you might as well look for a focused target audience with this message. Look for people of peace. Look for humble folk. Look for people that when you knock on their door, they answer the door with a smile, not a shotgun. Don't exert unnecessary message or energy. Do you hear Jesus as he preaches in Matthew chapter 5 about the kingdom of God? Blessed are the poor. 
in spirit. I want you to find some poor in spirit and take them the message that the kingdom is near. Ah, oh, blessed are the mournful, the meek, those hungering and thirsting for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peace. Maker, look at that. Jesus tells the 70-ish, go find people with a presence of peace. Why would he do that? Because the kingdom of God is made up with people like that. When you hang around church folk that are always breaking the peace, ask the question, are they in the kingdom? Because not everybody that goes to church is in the kingdom. Because those in the kingdom follow the king. Y'all don't get quiet on me. I'm preaching now. <laughs> these, the persecuted for righteousness, these are the citizens of God's kingdom. It's what they look like. There's going to be a few people like that. I'm sending you out without a spreadsheet. <laughs> without a, dem uh, 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 a demographics report. And by the power of the Spirit, I need you to find the few and tell them the kingdom is near. But this text changes its, its energy and, and Jesus keeps it on the real and and tells us that there's going to be many folk that will reject the kingdom. This is not the happy part of the sermon. I did my ministry training uh, in another century. <laughs> wow, I got a back pain. Just <laughs> I had an old person pain just now, wow. Uh, and we don't talk about condemnation very often. We don't talk about hell very often. But Jesus wants us to know, he wanted the 70-ish to know that not everybody would accept the kingdom. And so, verse 12, he says, go and and preach this message, the kingdom is near, but I tell you, the town that will not receive this message will not receive you, and you need to hit the dust off of your sandals as you leave that town or as you leave that person. It would be more bearable for the citizens of the cursed city of Sodom than it will be for them. Sodom that was wiped off the face of the earth because they refused to bow their knee to Yahweh. It would be better for them than for somebody to have the kingdom of God be near them and they refuse to accept it. It would be better if you'd never heard of Jesus than to have heard him and reject him. 
Do you understand the privilege it is of being in a place and a culture and an environment where it's okay to speak the name of Jesus out loud? Such a blessing, such a joy. How is it that we are able to have the kingdom near us? The king resolute on giving his life for us. And our biggest issues on Sunday are things like the air conditioning is too cold. (laughs) Oh, and is he looking at the clock? He's only got 12 minutes. (laughs) Ah, and why is it that the church staff doesn't do the things that I want them to do? I'm talking about common ground. I'm not talking about mosaic. (laughs) All comic cards... uh, yeah, just leave them alone. That, I, I know nothing. But I know this. We are blessed people. But to have the kingdom be near us and we not take advantage of it, Jesus would say, woe to you. Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Small little towns. I even looked it up. If you use the internet, you can find out a lot of information. These little towns near the Sea of Galilee, Bethsaida, way south, uh, just north of Jerusalem. For if the miracles that were performed in you, in your town, when I sent the 70-ish to you, when I came to you, when I loved you, when I shared the message of saving grace to you, when the king, when the son of the living God came to you, they were performed. And you rejected it. You rejected me. And you are a town filled with the chosen people of God. The Hebrews, the Jews. But Jesus says, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which is in Gentile territory, no Jews living there. Sidon, is the home of Queen Jezebel. Yeah. All these years later, she's still got a rep. (laughs) I would go, Jesus talking, I would go to Tyre and Sidon where Gentiles hang out. They don't even know God. They haven't even been chosen by God. And they would accept me more readily than my own people. Oh, I know that feeling. I know that struggle. You ever feel like hanging out with Christians gives you a headache? (laughs) And your day would be better if you could just sit down and have a meal with somebody that is just trying to figure it out. Sometimes it's that way in Jesus. He gives these pronouncements of doom. Hear what I'm saying. There are pronouncements of judgment and doom on the 
people of God that would have the kingdom be near them and they reject it. And unfortunately, that is the majority of the population around Galilee in the entire region of Israel. The religious rulers, oh, they had set up this system uh, and, and they created this civic, religious, financial, syncretistic culture. Ah, to be a religious leader was a good thing. You made a lot of money. Let me just break it down for you. And Jesus was a threat. Let's just face it. Jesus is a threat to our culture. Because when Jesus comes in your life, he calls for change. Mind, of spirit, of motive. When Jesus comes in your life, your dreams change. Your goals change. Your associations change. Your outlook, the way that you look at everything changes and Jesus is a threat. And so Jesus, he came to Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum is where he lived and they rejected him and he pronounces judgment on them. Listen to the conduit of power and authority in verse 16. Here's the conduit. Here's, here's how the power and authority goes. Ready for this? All right, if they listen to you, they're listening to me. All right? If they reject you, they're rejecting me. If they listen to me, they're listening to the one who sent me. That, that's the conduit of power and authority. And so teach this message, but teach it to a specific crowd. Now check out what Jesus does. The 70-ish comes back, and they come back in a victory celebration. Hooray! We went out and rocked it. We had W's for Jesus. <laughs> Uh, W's is win. I don't want anybody Googling that right now. <laughs> we, we preached and people accepted you. We performed miracles. I mean, the 12, when they went out and they performed miracles, it, it was L's all over the place. That's losses. Y'all following me? All right. But we did miracles and man, it was great. Jesus, I love the way Jesus checks people. I mean, he checked them hard. That's a hockey term, and I don't even like hockey, and I know that, so, all right? Oh, we did all these miracles, and it was great, and it was great, and Jesus said, just check yourself. I saw Satan fall from heaven, so. <laughs> great, but are you actually trying to impress me right now? <laughs> I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to do these things. I've given you power to do these things. I can do that. I can hand that to you. I can be that conduit of power and authority. I am the son of God. However, verse 20, 
Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Don't rejoice because of what you've done for God. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Don't rejoice because of what you've done for God. Rejoice because of what God has done for us. We have said yes to the king. We have accepted entrance as citizens into the kingdom of God. And because of that, our names are written in heaven. And I'm going to be in that line and I'm going to wait until I read my name for myself. <laughs> I want to see it. It is something to rejoice about. I told Common Ground Church the first Sunday that I preached there that one of my goals at Common Ground, God help me and they not fire me, is that we as a church would have more parties. To this day, I don't believe God's people are partying enough. We, we, we gloomy all the time. It's depressing. We ought to remember that our names are written in heaven. We want to rejoice at the size of the church and the ministry that we do in the community. And Jesus says, that's good. Okay, whatever. You know, I saw Satan fall from heaven. I, you know, come on now, you know. It's like the joke, you brag on whatever you did and somebody says, well, I walked on the moon. And so you just can't. <laughs> You're here, I'm here, you know, you know what I'm saying? But this is what we can rejoice with. This is where we need to be partying more. When you are feeling down, when you are the feeling, when you are feeling alone, when you are feeling under a cloud and you can't, uh, you can't emotionally or, or spiritually or sometimes even physiologically get through that cloud, I'm praying for you that you'll remember that your name is written in heaven. Amen. Jesus is inviting you to partner with him in what he's doing in the world. We've got some great ideas and we've got aspirations and we've got goals and we've got things that we want to accomplish. But I, I want you to, to just consider setting all of that aside and asking Jesus, what are you doing in the world? I want to partner with you in what you're already doing in the world. Why? Because the kingdom has come near to us. I want you to feel it. I want you to sense it. I want you to know it. But the truth is, there's only going to be a few people 
that will accept it. And I've been doing this ministry thing for a while, and it continues to frustrate me. Why wouldn't everybody just say yes to Jesus? But the fact is, Jesus went to his own folk and they wouldn't accept him. And so these are the realities. And so would you begin to ask Jesus, tell us what you are already doing in the world. Why? Because, well, the kingdom is near us. It's here. It's all around us. It comes with tremendous benefits and blessings, but rejecting God's kingdom has devastating consequences. You ever ask, where are you, Lord? Where are you? This world, it just, it's full of pain and disappointments and fears and, and, and unbelief and moments when even my own people, my church lets me down. Where are you, Lord? Well, he's near us. It's not far from any of us. So I've got a prayer for you to pray. Here's the prayer. Jesus, don't pass me by. I know you're here. I know you're near. I know you're not far away, but sometimes I can't feel you in the room. Sometimes I can't sense you. My heart gets heavy. You ever sit in the middle of church surrounded by people and you feel lonely? Pray, Jesus, don't pass me by. I wonder as we consider the table, the holy table, if that would be a good way to focus. You see, the kingdom has come near us, but, but Jesus doesn't want you to miss it. He doesn't want you to miss the kingdom. And I've been in so many uh, believing events and seeker events and youth events and worship events where we did the event and we missed the king. You know, teaching and preaching is well enough and all, but the purpose of preaching is transformation. Jesus intends for our lives to be changed. And so I know that the kingdom is near. Great. Don't miss it. Don't miss the kingdom. And so there's an invitation that I want to give to you. Whether you are here in this room or if you're online and you are joining us, by the way, my brother, um, a year and a half ago or so, had a stroke, a real bad stroke. And uh, God is blessing him and he is growing in his recovery. And my brother is in Southern California online worshiping with us this morning. And so, Michael, love you, man. So we're getting ready to have communion with the 
with the son of the living God, the king. Phil and I were talking about what to call this, and I, I, I came up with the eats and the drinks. That's what we've got. And so there's going to be a, this season where you can come to the table and you take the bread and you eat it and you remember that Jesus gave his body for you. I told you he was resolute. He had his mind set on Jerusalem. And he knew that he would give his life. And so when you eat the bread, remember Jesus. When you drink this juice, remember that he shed blood for you. And I wonder if you would focus your time as you eat and drink to say, Lord, don't pass me by. Jesus, I know the kingdom is all around, but I, I don't feel you sometimes. As I remember you, don't pass me by. In my failing, in my brokenness, in my, my disappointments, thank you, Jesus, for the cross, but don't pass me by. With our time together, online as well as in the room, be a community meal where together we are feeling, we are acknowledging that we have received the king.